listening to the Oz TV podcast only on the Oz Network. Welcome back everybody to the Oz Network as we continue our exclusive coverage of the third watcher into the sixth and final season. We are into the second episode. It's called Alone Again, Naturally. First aired on the 24th of September 2004. It was written by Janine Sherman Barrois, directed by Paul Michael Glaser. Glaser, Paul Michael somebody. And uh, uh, yeah, interesting episode uh, to say the least, maybe. Uh, my name is Ben and you're a hell of a lot better looking than Sully. <laughs> well, I'm flattered. What's up, everybody? My name's Darvell, and I do not have a quote for this episode. That's, that's my how quote for this episode. I like. That. Yeah, that's how. That's how. That's how. That's how. That's how boring this episode is. Uh yeah, it's it's a boring episode. Let's be honest. Um, but you know, we I reckon we can get through this one pretty quickly. Let's try and target ourselves yeah. to get this done in like let's let's should we set a time limit of half an hour? What do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, I like to challenge yeah, cause myself. I, I think I think we can I think we can do it. Just quickly before we do though, I will I just need to make a quick correction on myself. Last week, I said that uh, the Nickelback song was "How You Remind Me." That was the one that was used in I think season three, season four. Uh, it was actually "Someday." That's what the name of the song was last week. I can't believe I'm here correcting myself on Nickelback songs. Who gives a shit? But anyway, just felt the need to. Um, all right. Under 30 minutes, we've wasted a minute 30 already in this episode. So, uh, we're on the roof <laughs> after Cruz and Jokic's little incident with uh, Gene Simmons. And as I said last week, somehow it's gone from being bright as day to pitch black as night. Um, that's interesting. Cruz has jumped in the water to uh, retrieve um, or to undo the cuffs, basically, on Donald Mann. And Cruz is essentially saying, like, we're going to get our story straight. You know, you shot a handcuffed prisoner. Uh, Jokas is like, I shot him because he killed my partner. And this is kind of that moment where we're like, holy fuck, Bosco's dead? Um, and Cruz is, you know, we're going to get our story straight. Um, and, yeah, Jokas is like, I don't care what happens to me. Um, we've got Sally uh, telling Davis they can go home. They're at the hospital. Sasha's asleep on Davis's arm. And uh, she wants five more minutes. Um, she's going to take her back to his house or her house. And Sally's like, I'll call you in the morning. Actually make that the afternoon. Um, meanwhile, Cruz is still basically, you know, saying like, we're going to get our story straight. Uh, you know, this is murder. You'll never see your family again. You know, it's not about you or me. Um, and they're basically, uh, you know, going through what they're going to do. Swirsky shows up. Uh, and then Cruz is acting all calm and he's basically like, hey, this is the guy who sent the soldiers to the hospital. Uh, Swirsky's like, what happened? She says, ask Jokus. And then Jokus finally comes up with the story that Cruz said they should follow, that he drew a knife on Cruz, so I shot him. One thing I've got to say, though, is when Cruz gets the... She throws the knife in the water, the knife from the hospital, she's touching that knife, so her fingerprints are going to be on that knife. And, like... Davis and Monroe saw that night. Like, it, it, there's so many plot holes in this thing that Cruz is saying. No wonder Cruz yeah. eventually gets arrested. Oh, <laughs> like, uh, anyway, um, we got the credits. Kim not on the credits anymore. Sad face. Um, so you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say with that. I'm just sad face that Kim's not on there anymore. Um, what have we got? Uh, Yokus is being served divorce papers. Am I jumping too far ahead here? Or I missed the scene. Um, I don't think so. No. Oh, oh, there's, oh, sorry. There is a bit, there is a scene when Swirsky's 
on the roof. And um, I think they're sort of saying like, oh, tell me something off the record. Um, and, oh, this is when they're also on the roof and realises that... Um, Yoko, sorry, realises that uh, the call has been put out over the radio and she's concerned that a family is obviously um, going to be heard that somebody's dead. Um, I do love Yokus's reaction here to Cruz. What does she say to him, to her? I swear I'm missing a page here on my notes. Um, oh, here we go. I've skipped over a page. I'm no, no wonder I'm like going, hang on a minute, Yokus has got a divorce paper. She's on the goddamn roof. Uh, um, Yokus is going off at Cruz here. Uh, and basically, because she's saying IAB is going to be all of this, you know, no small talk, don't do it. Um, they're trying to find that Yo- Yoshi's escaped. Oh, no, not Yoshi. Uh, <laughs> whatever will happen with him. Uh, Davis is uh, with Munro. Uh, I'm guessing is this Munro's apartment, I think. And essentially, they fuck. Um, let's just skip over the, the bits here of her awkwardly kissing his bruised body. Yay, finally, <laughs> Munro and Davis are fucking. Do we care? <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say that. We do care. <laughs> yeah, but it's a it's a bit and I was going to say it's a bit anticlimactic mm. or whatever. But anyway, I mean, yeah. I look, I mean, I think it is a bit anticlimactic. I will say though, there's a bit more sexual chemistry between these two all of a sudden. So they've kind of ramped that up. Like after all the stuff we got last season of trying to set them up and now all of a sudden they just basically in the second episode go, oh, well, we set up this long tension of them having uh, back and forth. So let's finally make them fuck. I, I really hate that bit where like uh, David starts kissing her and she's like, oh, Ty. Like it's just so cheesy. <laughs> Um, Come on, if I wanted to hear that, I'll watch porn. Yeah. And I'm definitely not into that. <laughs> not that you'd ever watch porn, Darville. Come on now. Um, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> Yokus, meanwhile, is on the phone yelling at Fred, you know, it wasn't my fault. You never check your voicemail. Um, and then she's kind of like, tell me where you're staying. Fred is hung up. Um, Yokus walks in. Cruz is being interviewed by IAB. And she's basically, you know, oh, that's the easiest time I've ever had with IAB. Um, this IAB guy is basically like, oh, yep, you're both off for three days. So, you know, cool. And then out of nowhere, who shows up? Oh, it looks like that fire captain from last season. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> it's Charles Hayde, a.k.a. Um, Cathal Finney, the captain, the IAB captain. Now, I've got to say that as much as this character is never redeeming, we never like this character. You're not meant to ever like this character. Charles Hay does great work with his character, and you... He, he, absolutely. He sells his character as an asshole so well. And we talked about him a little bit uh, in Nip Tuck, because he was in one episode of Nip Tuck, where he kind of played a homeless guy who you weren't meant to like, but you kind of came around on him, and then he eventually got brutally murdered. But um, Charles Hay is a great actor. And, I mean, again, I think he's better known as probably more of a director, but, um, yeah, look, he sells his asshole character so well, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. So he shows up definitely and does. he's obviously, you know, questioning this IAB guy and he's basically like, you know, 
oh, you know, mind if I uh, chat with her alone? This was the biggest gun battle in the history of um, of NYPD, and you're just going to let it go like this? I doubt that. I do like Swirsky. <laughs> I do like Swirsky. He's standing up for her own, because, you know, when he's kind of like, mind if I chat her alone, and Swirsky's like, actually, I do. And kind of, you know, Cruz is all like, you know, I've got nothing to hide. I don't care. Uh, Finney, obviously, it's going to be interesting this season. Keep saying Finney because like there's two Finneys this season. I think we're just going to call this guy uh, Charles Hayde. Finney, CT. <laughs> so CT. Yeah. Oh, or we could call him CT. CT. Good, good, good call there, Darvell. Well done. Um, I love how he's kind of like, how did I know when I heard a call from the five five that you'd be involved? Uh, and then obviously he's sort of like, you know, oh, you're sticking with this story, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, we see Yokus uh, sort of shot at her and then Finney, CT Finney's kind of like, oh, how do you always find another low-level cop to, uh, you know, get someone to cover for you? So, you know, setting things up there. Th- this is the good stuff of the episode. I do kind of like the the CT Finney and Cruz and Yokus stuff. I kind of think that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, at the hospital, Yokus is told that uh, Bosco is alive. But he's never going to be going back to work. He'll be lucky if he'll be able to walk, talk, or feed himself ever again. Um, we see... I do like this scene where Yoko's kind of see, you know, Bosco covered in bandages and kind of... I just like that moment which is like, about Donald Man, I took care of that for you. Like, that's a nice little and scene, that, right? Yes. And that makes me wonder, you know, he'll never be able to walk, talk, or feed himself. Uh, is there some brain injury that he suffered that we don't know about? Oh, look, I think it's all down to his face um yeah you're right like it's not really explained is it because kind of when he comes back spoiler alert it's all about his vision and his face like if he can't walk talk or feed himself like well it's, it's almost in a way kind of like yokus last season like oh you're paralyzed and that kind of just disappears and she's fine um, whereas yeah like it's all of a sudden here we are with bosco not gonna be able to walk talk or feed himself and yet here he is in what like 10 11 weeks later um so yeah, it's uh, look for a show that was co-created by somebody who wrote, you know, the greatest medical drama of all time. Uh, they're not really standing up too well with some of the, the medical stuff, are they? <laughs> no, they they really aren't. Because I mean, a shot to the face. Yeah, I can I can understand vision loss, but never be at, and maybe even never be able to talk. But w- walk, walk, or feed yourself. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, feed, okay, feed yourself. Yeah, I, I, I do get that. But walking, I mean, come on, how can an injury to your face keep you from walking? Two thousand. I mean, I'm no medical expert, but no, two thousand and four. Uh, things were different back then when you got shot in the face. <laughs> they didn't know that it didn't paralyze you or something like that. Um, what is our time at right now? Shit, ten minutes. We've only got twenty minutes to go here. Okay, um, it's our goal to make this episode exciting. So next morning, crew shows up to work. Uh, Swirsky's kind of uh, trying to warn her that there's somebody else there. And uh, then we meet for the first time. Uh, is it, It's Lieutenant, isn't it? Lieutenant Muir. Um, yes. And played by the esteemed Aiden Quinn. Uh, so another sort of semi-big star that we've got here in uh, Third Watch. I mean, he's not probably up there. He's, he's kind of on like a Tom Berenger level of famous, I think, where, you know, he's been around a lot. A lot of people know him for a variety of different roles. Um, he's kind of one of those faces that you see and like, oh yeah, I know him. Um, so yeah, I, I would say he's a Tom Berenger, uh, in some aspects of it. He's got his own fame. He's got his own fan base, but you know, maybe not a household name that everybody straight away knows who he is. Right. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, looking at IMDB, he's best known for Practical Magic, uh, Legends of the Fall and, uh, two other movies called Benny and June and, uh, Flipped. He's two-time Emmy nominee. Uh, is Aiden Quinn. So uh, 
There you go. Okay. That's who he is. But uh, he's there. He's uh, there uh, basically yelling at Cruz, you know, essentially uh, asking if she's uh, undercover as a whore today. Um, you know, I'm your new boss. Uh, and then you're going to show up to work on time. So, again, kind of straight away, I guess we're not really meant to be redeemed by this guy, which is kind of interesting because I guess a lot of people come into this still hating Cruz. Um, so, uh, you know, it's kind of uh, interesting to think that we've got another person we're meant to hate more so than Cruz. Uh, we're in roll call. Um, they're looking for some volunteers for 72-hour shifts or something along those lines because people... Oh, no, sorry. Uh, the last 72 hours, Swirsky's thanking people for volunteers. So this actually isn't the next morning. It's three days later. It's after Yogis and Cruz have spent their three days off. Um, we find out that Sully and Davis, um, are not together and that Sully has been put with Munro and, uh, sorry, Sully has been put with Yokus, I should say. Munro and Davis have been put together. Kind of the look on Davis's face where he's kind of like, ho ho, yeah. And then, uh, you know, Yokus approaches Swirsky and he's like, hey, you're not giving me a babysitter, are you? And she's like, no, we just have to do this. And then sort of Sully gives, um, a bit of a, a look to Swirsky, which obviously implies otherwise. Um, meanwhile, this is where Yokus gets served her divorce papers in the middle of a precinct, and all the cops are obviously staring at Yokus, which is kind of a bit awkward. Sully kind of gives her a bit of a look and kind of walks out. This is where we've got Davis uh, to Monroe. You know, you're a hell of a lot better looking than Monroe. Um, can I please... I, I think in a way to save time here, what I'm going to do is yeah. I'm going to gel over all of the Munro and Davis storyline right now. Because basically what it borders down to, them driving around, they flirt in the car a little bit, they see a car driving around, Davis knows what this is, it's about attractive girls who steal cars from guys because they can take advantage of them. Um, so they pull over, uh, this car. Davis happens to know who they are. One of the girls runs away. She gets hit by a car. We've got some weird slow motion. Uh, look, basically what we find out is that these girls have hijacked a car. Um, it's ended up, they've killed a woman for it because they've chased down a woman to try and rob her. They've stolen a car. They've killed it. Um, and then some woman goes to jail because of it. And then at the end of the day, they find when Jelly's talking to them about this stop, they're sort of like, what was the initial stop for? Uh, we find out that, uh, it was a dodgy stop, uh, that Davis and Sully usually pull these people over, but they never write it up, I guess, to protect the husbands involved. And this is going to make the whole case go away. So then Davis lies and says, what, that uh, they ran a stop sign or something like that. Munro is not comfortable with it, and they have a fight at the end of the episode. And already, uh, you know, she's not comfortable lying and making false claims and anything. Is, do you think that's the uh, Davis and uh, Munro storyline summed up in this episode? <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is it. In essence, you're right. Yeah, I, I just I just don't care about it. Like, it's just, it's it's random. And did not, I swear we had a similar thing with this storyline back with, um, oh, what was the little kid back in season one and season two and the sister that Davis was looking after? Didn't we have a storyline around Malcolm. that? Malcolm. Malcolm, yeah. Didn't we have a storyline around Malcolm's sister boosting cars? Similar storyline? Yes. It was, uh, oh my gosh, I think that was... What episode was that? I feel like that was either. I feel like that was thirty. I feel like that might have been thirty-two bullets and a broken heart. Possibly, yeah. Look, this is why again it kind of it feels repetitive because like the whole time I'm watching this, kind of like we've had this storyline already, and yeah, you you can kind of 
repeat storylines. Like, I mean, God, we were talking about 24 last week, the king of repeating storylines by about season six. But, like, if you kind of do an attempted fresh take on it, you can kind of overlook certain aspects of it. But, yeah, no, this one just, it's a boring storyline. It doesn't care. work. No. Uh, so that's that storyline done. Great. Uh, we- <laughs> Meanwhile, let's get back to Yokus. Um, What's our time? Uh, what's what's our time? What's our time? We're at uh, fifteen minutes. Shit, we're halfway through. All right, Yokus is speeding okay. with Sully to go confront Fred at his job uh, and going off about getting served divorce papers. <coughs> um, and yep, okay, great. Uh, Miller and Cruz are going to be going out uh, to see a confidential informant again. Like, let's just go over the Cruz storyline here. Basically, Miller essentially. Is uh, going through Cruz's files and wondering why do we pay this person? Cruz is like, oh, he's one of my best confidential informants. They go and get him, and then essentially they're going to stop paying him. They want to make him scared or something like that. And Miller's like, we're not wasting our money on this guy. Um, you know, you're going to do things properly around here. That's essentially the Miller and Cruz storyline, isn't it? <laughs> hmm. We also, I will say, we do find out throughout this, Cruz gets a random anonymous phone call <clears throat> saying, be careful, there's a rat in the house. Of course, Cruz is going to assume that it's Miller. Um, and then we're going to get the big reveal, which maybe we'll save to the end, um, you know, about who it is. Um, which it wouldn't be ho- It wouldn't be too much of a stretch to assume that at this particular point in the episode. Yeah, and I think if I've learned anything from hundreds and thousands of hours of watching TV in my lifetime, Darvell Stewart, it's never the most obvious person. Um, and if it is the most obvious person, put a red herring like... 24, right? Spoiler alert right now if you've not seen season one of 24. Nina Myers, automatically assumed to be a mole within what, like the first few episodes. They've kind of thrown that away super quickly so you're not meant to suspect her anymore. So when it is revealed that she actually is the mole, it's done in a way where you're like, holy fuck, like what just happened? So I think like that is done so well. Like in what universe are we watching this assuming that straight away it's, it's just way too obvious that Miller would be the mole so and he's not even a mole he's a, and like this is I had to try and explain this to Mallory about um, like the mole and the, the whole sort of I guess police culture that a rat is kind of a bad thing because even she was like well why are they bad they're actually putting in dirty cops like they're doing a good thing and like again from the outside perspective I would agree with that but I guess the culture of cops, at least from what we see on TV, I can't speak for real cops, I'm not a real cop, um, is that generally, if you're a rat, you're bad, and you are essentially a mole. So, <laughs> that's kind of the weird yeah. cultness of it. Anyway, um, we'll get to the ratness shortly. Um, Yokus is being called back to the house. Um, we assume it's because uh, she's, like, yelling at Fred... Um, and Sully basically telling Yokus, like, just go in there, listen, you know, nod, smile. Uh, and then, you know, Yokus is like, you know, I don't need a babysitter over this. Um, but, uh, we find out that Yokus has been, uh, promoted to detective. Uh, because she shot Donald Mann and based on some of her other... Uh, you know, a combination of things, as it says. And I do, I do like the way Swirsky's like, I cannot think of a more deserving officer. Now, look, this is going to be the most of this season around Yokus that she's going to be a detective. And, like, I'm not against. I, I like it when characters get... She's a great detective. She is. Um, One would argue maybe a little too great that... <laughs> My complaint, and we'll talk about it more next week and the week after, is that, like, literally on her first job, she's, like, queen detective and knows everything. Like... 
I'm sure you've had a promotion. We've all had sort of element, or maybe not even a job where, you know, you maybe haven't had that experience in it, and you've got to learn. You think you know what you're doing, but on that first day, there is so much more to that job where all of a sudden you're going to be overwhelmed by the fact that you're okay, fuck, I don't really know everything that I'm doing. You would have learned more. She just kind of takes to it a little bit too comfortably, in my opinion, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. Like, there, I'm sure there are people out there who do that. But, yeah, I, I guess what I'm trying to say, we'll talk more about the next week. I think the fact that, like, this is the first time a cop in this show has actually been promoted... Um, you know, I mean, you would argue Bosco sort of got the, the anti-crime stuff, but it's not really a promotion. He's just kind of working with things and he's never permanently anti-crime. Um, right. And like for most cops, I guess you start off as a beat cop and then you kind of, you go through the motions to, you know, get advancements. We sort of saw Davis had the opportunity like, uh, back, you know, when he was driving around, uh, what's his face, uh, that he could have, uh, had Hancock. Hancock. Thank you. He could have had a promotion if he wanted to. Um, you know, obviously we've had discussion that Munro was going to take the sergeant's test and also even Yokus took a sergeant's test, didn't she, like a season or two ago. So I just like the fact that they, they go out of their way to do this. And I guess a lot of the reason they do that is because Bosco is missing half this season. I mean, they could have easily still kept them all partnered up because we've still got four cops at this point, but I guess they knew Finney was coming in next week. So we need four cops. We're going to have five cops and we can't always have one cop, you know, not partner with someone. So, um... I guess that's why they've yeah. promoted Yokus. And again, goes into my overall vibe of saying that, you know, Molly Price and Yokus is the main star of this show because, you know, so much of this season is just centered around her as a detective. So, um, yeah, congratulations to Yokus. She's a detective. But do you think she's going to get meritoriously promoted because she shot Donald Mann in what are going to be suspicious circumstances? Because <laughs> one person is still being investigated over this. Um, and. You know, obviously, they they talk, they mention about her interrogation of the Henry Winkler case at the end of last season as well. So, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah ma- major congrats to her there. And we did kind of allude to that during that storyline last season that, that it's a very good setup for Yokus getting promoted to detective. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and look, again, um, this is where we will get a huge shift in this season, particularly from next week and the week after onwards, where it just, it really does kind of criminal minds ourselves, doesn't it? But, um, anyway, uh, Yokus is now a detective. Uh, and I think kind of we've covered the main bases, haven't we? Oh, we, we get a bit of a locker scene, uh, at the end where Cruz finds out that Yokus has been promoted and kind of her reaction, you know, like congratulations. And then, uh, obviously, Okay, great facial acting by Tia Tahada. Like, she just sells that sort of that, that look so well. And even just the way Molly Price kind of looks at her as well. And this is where, too, Cruz is sort of like, oh, you know, be careful, there's a rat in the house. And kind of, like, again, knowing what we're about to find out from Sasha, you just look at her facial expression like, oh. And it's kind of actually really obvious watching this scene that, like, she's a little bit too concerned about this. Um, Who's Sasha? Yeah, Sasha, when she kind of, you know, hears about there being a rat in the house. We get a montage, our uh, second montage in two episodes, and this montage really revolves around Bosco laying in a hospital bed. Rose gets brought down by Yokus. We see Swirsky in the hospital. We see Sully. We see Davis. Uh, It's a great little moment to kind of see all these people coming in to visit Bosco, Uh, which, again, like, it's it's interesting that all these people are here to visit Bosco. Did everybody come and visit Faith last season? (laughs) No. (laughs) No. Again, not that we saw, but... um, you know, it's uh, interesting. There's a kind of a weird, I don't want to say an utmost parallel to the opening moments, or the closing moments, sorry, of season one, but there's that shot where kind of we, we get a look at 
behind all the um the characters overlooking Bosco's bed, and then they kind of do a pan across all their faces, which kind of reminded me a lot of uh, the closing moments of uh, Welcome to Camelot when they're all behind the curtains, you know, staring and looking at Jerry. So um, kind of, you know, yeah. just a nice little moment there. God, uh, I and, like Jerry. Yeah, good old Jerry. But really then this li- episode really closes like out with the big reveal, Darvell, because let's just point this out too. Season six seems to be the king, and we said this last season, but season six even more so, the king of pointless cliffhangers. <laughs> like, again, they're doing everything that they can to get people to come back next week, so they feel that every episode has to end on a cliffhanger. So this week's cliffhanger, we see C.T. Finney sitting in a car. Of course, we know that C.T. Finney is the head of IAB, the Rat Squad, and who gets into the car to give some information on the whole <gasps> cruise and uh, Yoka situation? Da, 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 Sasha! She's working with the Rat Squad. She's with IAB, and she's called Detective Munro. So, da, 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 plot twist. C.T. Finney basically saying, you know, keep an eye on it. I want this information. I know Cruz did this. Blah, 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 blah. Now, look. Completely unnecessary. I mean, this, this big reveal would have worked probably if they hadn't done it so soon. I said that last I said that last week when we were previewing this episode. I was like, I was like, why did they reveal it so quickly? Drag it out. Sus- suspend it. You know, make us wonder who it is. And I completely agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. And I also have a problem with this being that, like, it's similar to last season with the fact that the FBI just all of a sudden get randomly shoved into the mix. And we're meant to believe that throughout those closing moments of season four, Cruz was involved with the FBI. And I think once you know that and you're watching season four with that in the back of your mind, it doesn't make sense. When I'm watching season five, Munro none of it makes sense that she's been working with the IAB because if you look at the continuity of this timeline, this is what, like four or five days now after man was shot. And so she's not like she's just being tapped on the shoulder after that and straight away brought in. Obviously she's had to have a meeting and connections and saying to the IAB, I want to help out. And okay, maybe you can argue she's put a name in the hat and he's come to her the day after the shooting goes, now is your time. Maybe you could argue that, but then still she's going to have IAB connections earlier than this so it's just kind of random and weird and like just knowing on what we know this when you watch season five it just makes no sense and this to me again is just exactly like the fbi storyline the the writers have sat down before season six and gone hey what can we do to make this a bit more of a twist uh let's make munro working for iab and like i agree with you when you say like they could have revealed this a lot later because it's not really revealed to the rest of the cops, is it, till about, what, episode 9, 10? 10. 10. Episode 10. So we kind of have to have eight episodes of knowing that she's with the IAB before everyone else finds out. And, look, again, you can have a reveal of someone being bad or a rat or a mole or evil early on and make it work. But this just, to me, doesn't work. It just makes things kind of awkward. Um, so, yeah, I'm not a fan of this. Like, and yeah, I think you summed it up well. If you're going to do this, make it dragged out a little bit. Have us questioning it week to week. Who's the mole? Who's the mole? Yeah. Because when, when <laughs> yeah, we see, have... that's what 20, that's what 24 did well, at yeah. least at first. Yeah. And because like, we, we don't lose any sleep over crews investigating who potentially could be a mole in the coming weeks. So, you know, um, anyway, season six, let's have a pointless plot twist. Here it is. All right, we're 27 minutes in, Darvel. We've covered the whole episode. We've done bloody well. <laughs> yep. Uh, we're both bidding the... Well, I'm bidding this episode. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I am too. 
uh, yeah. I'm bending this as well. It's just one. Although of those again, episodes. there are way there are ways it could have worked. You know, you know, it's sure really there are ways it could have worked definitely. And I think the interesting thing is when at the beginning of this episode, when I'm like, let's do this in half an hour, I'm like, there's no way we're going to be able to do this. We legitimately have gotten to this point. We legitimately have covered everything, and there's really nothing that like, yeah, okay, we haven't analysed every scene as much as we sometimes do, but honestly, I think we've covered this episode as best as we can. <laughs> Only like thirty minutes, <laughs> really. Yeah, we really have. Um. I will say, in terms of the rankings, uh, I, I, I've ranked... This is up until the uh, eighth episode. So I've ranked 118 episodes of Third Watch. So this episode I've got at 114 out of 118. Um, last week, I had more monsters actually as the lowest possible rent. Uh, so 110 out of 118. So um, I will say, though, looking at my quick list of my rankings here, at least for the first eight episodes, these are the two lowest ranked episodes I have from the first eight episodes. So... Uh, that means that things should only get better from here. <laughs> uh, but let's just point out that's season six better. Um, but yeah, next week, uh, we are back for another episode and we are going to be talking about the episode. Of course, it is called Last Wheel and Testament. Testament? Testament? I'm saying that correctly. Um, Testament. We meet, we meet Finney. Uh, we met him this week, but we met his son, Brendan Finney is uh, in it next week. So our last introduction of a major character in Third Watch. Uh, we'll talk a bit about Finney. Like, Finney's kind of like Grace. He's a bit meh. Um, Josh Stewart's a good actor. Yeah. Somet- oh, actually, how do I rephrase that? Josh Stewart's a good actor, just sometimes not in Third Watch. <laughs> he's got an annoying <laughs> way of acting in this show. I've seen him in other things, and I think he's a great actor, but there are definitely some scenes that he's in which he's just not good. So we kind of get him getting a bit of an interesting day to start with. Um, Yokus has her uh, ceremony. Look, it's, it's an episode which I'll say I actually liked a lot more than I realised when I rewatched it. Um, but there is also a lot of stuff about it which I don't like. But, uh, yeah, Last Will and Testament, Darvel. <clears throat> yes. Do you have any thoughts on it? Oh, man. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, right. I, yeah I, couldn't, I, couldn't think of what, I couldn't think of what else to say about it. Yeah, well, Because, to know. tell you the truth, I don't really... I'll need memory refreshers on it. I mean, there are some things about it I remember, others not so much, so... Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll find out next week as will our listeners. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on all the relevant channels, leave us some feedback, and we appreciate all the support, as always, that you're giving us as we uh, plug along here uh, with Third Watch in the Season 6. We did it. 30 minutes. Good job, Darvel. Virtual high five. Well done. All uh, right. And until next week, my name is Ben, and are you going undercover as a whore? <laughs> Not that I know of. My name's Darville, and hey, thanks for listening as always, peeps, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.